What up, witches? We're almost there. This is our review for the episode of American Horror Story Coven, titled Go to Hell. Here we see some storylines wrap up, and the remaining witches in the coven prepare for the supreme test. But how sweet was that fight between the Swamp Witch, Misty, and the Hollywood Witch, Madison? Pretty awesome, if you ask Queenie. Okay, let's get to it. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host, Casey Chris Stitt. Wait, what? Woo! Woo! What? What? Oh, no. Oh, you were supposed to, I said K to the, and then you were just supposed to say oh, Houston. Oh, shit. But, ugh. Should we start over? I think you're okay. Keep going. Uh, <laughs> How are you doing tonight? K to the result. I'm good, man. I'm really bummed out. I didn't, you know, it, it, it's we're finally at the point where we're at our penultimate episode, so I'm pretty, pretty bummed. I, I had so much fun in this episode. I loved it. It was incredible. It was hella fun, but I am really sad that it's coming to an end. Absolutely, that being said, shit. A lot of a lot of crazy stuff happened. I was gonna say shit went down, and I am excited to talk about it. Yes. Um, but before we do, uh, we have a few traditions we need to go to. First of which is, what are you drinking this evening? Buffalo Trace on the rocks, my friend. It's been a few of them tonight, but mm, nice. I what are am you drinking. drinking <clears throat> I'm drinking a hinterland farmhouse ale. I'm drinking a beer, a pint of beer, and it is glorious. <laughs> I'm drinking a pint of beer. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to two, well, one episode remaining. Um, of course, before we kind of really dig into things, we want to remind you to check us out on uh, Facebook at this American, uh, facebook.com slash This American Horror Story Podcast and send us emails uh, for the final episode, anything you want us to discuss or talk about at uh, This American Horror Story at gmail.com. And finally, we would like to uh, ask you to check us out on iTunes, give us ratings, reviews, critiques, whatever. We really appreciate that. Um, was there any Facebook comments or anything you want to talk about this week, my friend? <laughs> there was one. And I, if if y'all listened last week, uh, this was my bad. I did something kind of embarrassing. Um, but our friend Ken wrote in and said, hello. If you are going to be discussing spoilers for a current season of a show... Other than American Horror Story, don't. Oh, never mind. Keep going. I was going to say I'm not going to. I won't say spoiler. This I know, I've learned that I won't do that. Uh, other than American Horror Story, could you please say spoiler or skip ahead? I was blindsided when you mentioned that Blank from the show Blank dies. I got my wife into the show and wanted to watch until season Blank until she got up to speed. Your podcast is great and very insightful. Keep up the good work. Just be mindful in the future, Ken. And I wrote back to Ken. I was like, Ken, thanks for the message. That was totally my bad. I'm so sorry. Sometimes, as you know, Tyler, I just get into the groove of chatting with Tyler like we would normally would, be, like we normally would, because I know where he is in the seasons of almost every show. I definitely will be more mindful in the future. Sorry about that. And uh, thanks for listening, dude. 
So that it's was okay, that man. was the one res- the thing I had to put out there, and I, I apologize if anyone else felt that same way. I like I said, I get into the zone where I just chat with Tyler like I'm talking, not like we're doing a podcast. Yeah, I think sometimes we we kind of forget that there's an audience out there, and we're not just discussing shows together. So yeah. we we sometimes uh, maybe mention things from other shows, we give spoilers and stuff like that. So we'll definitely try to be more uh, more more aware of that. But uh, Ken, definitely um, the show, obviously that you're referencing, keep watching for sure because it's worth it. I'd say, yeah, I'd, not, you know what happens exactly. I was like, I know that may be a bad one, but keep watching that because there's so much other crazy stuff that happens that it's worthwhile. Keep watching. Absolutely. Well, with that, apologies aside, let's go ahead and dig into... <laughs> I hate starting a show off like that, especially a show as crazy as this episode we just had. Episode 12 of American Horror Story Coven titled, Go, go to, to Hell. Hell. Go to Hell, witch bitch. That's my, my own subtitle. <laughs> um, okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. So let's go ahead and talk about the opening scene. I don't know about you, but the minute I saw like the way the opening scene... Um, the way the the opening scene opened with like that the reverse camera aperture of like you know it spun out old to old timey photos and I was I immediately knew that the director was uh, um, Alfonso Gomez Rajon who has oh, obviously yeah, done so many iconic so many iconic episodes of American Horror Story but he has such a very distinct style and he right. he does these old flashbacks so well with like the way he imitates you know old timey film and yeah. Black and white. I and also got vibes of if very you play video games at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Bioshock mm-hmm. Infinite. They do okay, a lot I can see that. that too. Yeah. yeah but anyway, yeah, yes. Kind of those... Definitely. And so I totally could tell from, I, you know, you could tell from there that this is going to be an episode where you definitely are going to appreciate the directing of it, you know? Absolutely. So we have the black and white scene with the kind of ominous piano music in the background. And I like that it. Okay, I want to talk about the composure of this scene first. Okay. Uh, the, compo- the composition of this scene, regardless of the subject matter. But first, let's talk about the most important part, which is, of course, the subject matter. Which is, it's this, you know, it's back in Salem, and we see these witches um, practicing the Seven Wonders. So, Seven Wonders are, and we've seen... Let's talk about whether or not we've seen these up to this point. First one is telekinesis, which is effectively moving objects through the air with their minds. Obviously, I mean, we've seen that one many times, right? Right. A few of, a few of the ladies have done that. Uh, second one is... Concilium. Is right. that the one that's mind reading? Mind control is whatever. Oh, mind control. Yeah. Mind control. Okay. And we've seen that. We've seen Fiona do that a number of times. I don't know. That, have we seen anybody else do mind control other than Fiona? I don't. Shoot. We should be better at this. Um, I don't think so. That's the reason I asked. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember anyone else doing mind control, which is really Oh, cool. yes. Uh, Nan, when she made uh, Patty LuPone chug the bleach. Oh, yes. Yes, that's right. So we hit, we saw it from Nan too before poor Nan was wiped off the mortal coil. Um, transmutation, which is changing one object into another, uh, uh, or right? I thought that was also where she could. Or, or no, it's where you where you move. like move. Yeah, and we see Madison do that in this episode. We do see Madison do it. We I don't think we've seen them. Now we might have kind of seen them do it before. Um, but never like that clearly. So we might have seen that one before. Divination is is divination the one where they change objects and other things. No, divination is like uh, Professor Trelawney, where you. Oh uh, yeah, you could tell the the fortune. <laughs> yeah. You you could link all these like Harry Potter. Harry courses. Potter. I know. What's the class Professor McGonagall taught? That's the one I was thinking. Transfiguration. Was. That's uh, transfiguration. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Nerd alert. 
<laughs> Vitalum Vitalis is um, like the bringing things back to life, basically. But it's like it takes some of your life away, though. I, yeah, right? I, I don't know what that was. That was a little so, unclear to me. Well, so I think it's bringing someone back to life. But I think what we didn't realize is that that's probably why Misty passed out when P- Patty Lapone she was bringing Patty Lapone back. That's why when uh, even Fiona was bringing Queenie back that she felt kind of weary afterward. Is we didn't realize that like it's not just that they're exhausted from the exertion, but it's like they're taking some of their life and putting it in something else. Mm, so okay. I think I think there's an element to it that we didn't quite understand before. And then there's uh, Descensum? Descensum or Descensium? Descensum? Oh, yeah. Which is... Some type of afterlife thing. It's where you, like... what Basically what Queenie did, where she separates herself from her body and becomes a ghost and goes into the afterlife. And the last one is Pyrokinesis, which is uh, lighting lighting stuff on fire. Right. But it's also obviously very dangerous because witches burn. Right, which maybe, which so in, in, at least in the example they give, the, the 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 young witch in the video, she cuts herself and then she drips her blood and then she kind of engulfs in flames, but she doesn't seem to die. So right. that might be some something about like burning at the stake and surviving it, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Right, because they because I think that I think Fiona said you know that basically. You, people die from the seven wonders all the time. Right. So maybe that's like the final test is burning alive and seeing if you don't burn. That's right. part of true pyrokinesis maybe is being able to control fire to the point where you don't burn in it. I.e. Myrtle. Right. Well, old Myrtle. We Who knows what her, new Myrtle yeah. will do. It sounds like everyone really is up for... Uh, is going to be participating in the seven wonders. But before we get to that, okay, first of all, I want to talk about the composition of this scene. I just thought it was... Yes. Um, I just thought with the kind of the piano music and the black and white and the old fashioned style of it, it was just very, it was very cool how they did, how he put it together. I think that it all, all the different parts played, played super well. And it turned like, and then Fiona's voice, you know, eventually comes over. But I thought it was interesting that he chose to do the captions and make it almost like a, a silent movie, you know? Yeah. Um, the way the captions were between the scenes. Um, do you think this was just all for effect? I mean, what was what or what was the effect of it? Yeah, it was definitely effect to show that this is like a uh, an age old uh, um, belief. You know, this is this is how it's been. This is what it was. It, you know, and and it is it, it's presented in the way that they would teach uh, lessons to young kids or. Or not even young kids, but uh, you know, regular people in the old days, or something. You know, like sex ed videos in the old day, where yeah, you watch yeah. something from the fifties. It's just something that's always passed on because no one wants to do a newer version because the old version is correct. So that's what that I was trying to. I convey. agree. It felt like almost like some kind of teaching tool, which, yep. but like a very, in a very cool way, in a fun but way. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was like someone made an instructional video of like what you have to do to become the supreme, basically. Right, right, you know, right. Back, back back in the Salem days, which I thought was awesome. I, I yes. loved this opening scene. I liked it. This too. might have been. I, I mean, a lot of cool stuff happened in this episode. Frankly, this might be my favorite ep- scene of the entire episode, though. So fade from here to uh, uh, Fiona talking to Queenie, telling Queenie that um, she's going to basically have to participate in the Seven Wonders coming up. Also, she mentions to Queenie that Marie Laveau. Went to hell to see Papa Legba, probably. Yeah. Or something. yeah. She calls her like Papa Legba Boo Boo or something like that. She doesn't <laughs> yeah. even know what his name is. <laughs> but I, I do love in this scene that Queenie calls uh, immediately. I love that from the top of the episode, like it's laid out there. Queenie calls uh, um, Fiona out and says, you know, 
Girl, I know what you're trying to do. You're just going to kill all of us once you know who the who the next uh, Supreme is. So you're not fooling me. Yeah, and Fiona really, like, does a very poor job of acting like... Yeah. Yeah, it does a very poor job of denying it. Like, who, who me? Oh, I'm too tired to do anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> but then also I love that, like, in this scene, like, when uh, Queenie's throwing her some sass, uh, Fiona, like, Strangles her, yeah. Yes. Darth Vader's her. She Darth, Darth Vader's, Vader's her. her. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Darth Vader's her. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I was, and I was like, I was like, yeah, it's good to see Fiona. Good, finally, you know, throw some power around. We haven't seen that since like the first few episodes when she threw the girls think, up against the wall. I mean, we have seen it every so often, but do you think we've seen less and less of it because she is weak because of like the cancer kind of sapping at her and the other Supreme sapping at her? To be honest, kind of it's that been so inconsistent the way they. <laughs> The way they've used her power. I mean, she remember she was like getting chemo in that uh, room for a minute, and in one episode, and now two episodes later, when she should technically be weaker, and we later learn that she thinks she only has two weeks left to live, she could still pull that off. I don't know. It's it's just been a little inconsistent. So I'm forgiving of it, of course. I I agree. I am. Uh... That's it. Brings up something I want to mention at the end of this episode about how I think the writing in this season's gone, mm-hmm. um, but but I'll bring that up at the end. Okay. Yeah. So basically, yeah, we have this whole beginning, which is kind of a, I think it, it, you know traditionally it, it, it's almost sets up. You know how we've talked about how there's always a theme to the opening scene, and it kind of sets up what the theme is for the rest of the episode. This kind of hits us over the... I feel like this was a little bit more straightforward than normal, because the Seven Wonders is obviously a major theme in this. But I think that's why they kind of dressed it up with the, you know, old-fashioned tape and everything like that. So that way it just wasn't so blatant, like Fiona telling Queenie what the Seven Wonders were going to be or something. And then, of course, we also have an outline that, A, uh, Queenie's going to, you know, looking for Laveau. Maybe she's in hell with Legba, which is true. And B... That um, Fiona potentially is plotting to kill everybody, and that that's an issue there. So we kind of have all everyone, you know, the main Just motivations of this episode laid out right in the table. I like that we start on the episode with everything laid out as we all kind of anticipated it to be. Mm-hmm. And they're really this episode was a lot of building to the finale, which is kind of it's always how kind of the penultimate episode of mm-hmm. the show has gone in the past couple of seasons. Right. So uh, Cordelia's power of sight. You know, last episode, we know that she spiked herself in the eye in the hopes that she would get her um, kind of clairvoyance back again. And alas, it has not happened. She does look horrible, though, with those gnarly-ass eyes that are... It's pretty gross. Right, cracked <laughs> and scabbed over. But uh, she's not able to see anything, and, you know, she tries... I think this is when we see Madison do the... Um, transmutation or whatever is because she's trying mm-hmm. to grab medicine and medicine just transports her over so we just kind of feel a little bit bad for cordelia at this point uh in the meantime queenie is on a search for marie laveau mm-hmm. um she's looking through the house and in the you know we as uh viewers here we, you know the echo of lalaurie's statement from the last episode about how she will rise to be queen again or whatever um obviously hinting at laveau's fate and we see Queenie flipping through the book of Legba drawings, so she we know that she's probably going to be going back to see Papa Legba or summon him or something at some point in time. So she lays down on the bed and performs this vitalum vitalis. And this this whole episode, we're learning about everybody has everybody has new powers. So they're kind. Of, I mean, it's an absolute crapshoot. I feel like 
I mean, there's nothing you can really deduce from powers as to who the next Supreme is, because everyone has new cool powers right now. So Queenie is able to go do the out-of-body experience as a ghost, and is transported back to her own personal hell, which is... The chicken, fried chicken place. <laughs> which we've seen before, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and do you remember, what is, why does Legba say that this was her, her personal hell? I, I, I think... I think he was he something just to do says with this the, is what you hated or something. This was like the worst part in your life. Yeah, you were that, alone this is and you were down yeah. and out, and you felt like you had no future and all this different right. kind of stuff. So the, basically, right. you go back to the. He takes her to the lowest part of her life, and of course, Legba is there, and um, it's almost a comical scene the way he like argues with one of some of the patrons and stuff like that. He's, I, mean, I still think he's creepy, but in this scene, he's kind of like he's comical. He's comical. Yeah, he's comical, but still scary um but he kind of explains the situation to queenie that it's her own personal hell and that time moves differently in hell and we kind of we figure out that what you know the show's version of hell is is basically everyone has their own personal hell which we obviously see later uh when it pertains to lalaurie so queenie makes an interesting point you know she she proves to Legba that she has some strong magical powers by pulling herself out of hell and back into her body. And then she makes a point to Legba that he no longer has a deal, basically, with Lavo because with you know, we see that Lalaurie dismant cut her into pieces, right? Cut her into chunks. She butchered and her, so, yeah. And so she's no longer able to fulfill her obligation of giving him a baby if she's her body's in chunks. And so therefore she is released from her immortality, which apparently thus makes Lalaurie released from her immortality. It was like a, a chain of some kind because I'm assuming that means that you know once Laveau is no longer has her power. You know it's something interesting that I never thought of before. Ooh. Is okay. So Laveau got her immortality from Legba, Legba, but sh- she was able to bestow immortality to Lalaurie through a potion. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't she do that to Fiona? Because when Fiona asked her, she said you have to go through Legba to get it. But she was able to give it to Lalaurie through a potion. I mean, maybe it has something to do with her being a witch, is what we could surmise. But good question, though. Yeah, but I'm just kind of thinking. Of, I'm just kind of thinking of the chain of command here, the way it kind of goes from Legba through Laveau to Lalaurie. So right. basically, the whole point of this is it renders Lalaurie mortal again, so she can be cut into pieces and actually dies instead of just being a talking head. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, I don't think we ever found out what happened to Bastion's head. <laughs> yeah, burned. So we have this whole scene with Queenie. I mean. What were Queenie's motivations here? Why is she all of a sudden on looking the hunt for, for Laveau? Is she looking for Laveau? Is she trying to figure out, uh, is she hunting for LaLaurie? What was her deal? This is what I don't like <coughs> about this episode slash the way the storyline went. I mean, and we'll go into this more when we see LaLaurie's, um, the way her storyline ends. But it's just, you know, we have this bonding relationship with uh, Queenie and LaLaurie. And we also have a bonding relationship with Marie Laveau and Queenie. And yet, in the end, she kind of goes after LaLaurie in a negative way. Even though she brought her back to life and put her back together 
or not brought her back to life, but put her back together and kind of kept her as her pet. It, it just, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't, I don't, I don't like, this is one of the parts of this episode that I actually didn't like very much just because we went through all this drama and all this storyline between all these characters. And this is where we're ending up with this at, at the end. It, it was, if it, it was kind of a letdown to me. It so, didn't feel okay. Earned. Right. So to inform what you were just saying, we see find out that Lalaurie um is of course at the museum at her house uh, mm-hmm. at the museum that is used to be her former house which is now a Delphine Lalaurie Museum right. and trying to re- rewrite history. Right, trying to rewrite history basically by you know lying um, to people. Well, she like not quite killed, but almost killed the current museum curator and now is pretending yeah. to be the museum curator and rewrite history by saying that Delphine was just a woman who was ahead of her time. She was misunderstood um, and ahead of her time. Yep. So Queenie, t- like, um, but we ha- we do have the scene, though, where Queenie it almost is like, Queenie is almost having second thoughts then about La- Laurie. She's trying and to convince saying, her. There is a chance at redemption, but, you know... Lalaurie says that in this modern world, there is no such thing as redemption. And she knows this because she watched the Paula Deen scandal on TV, the right. Anthony Weiner scandal on and TV. And somehow she was also watching Elliot Spitzer's scandal in 2008 on TV as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> Which was them she, trying to make a slight commentary, obviously, on uh, uh, um, you know celebrity today. Mm-hmm. And she certainly uh, you the know, throwing some modern references in there yeah. as well. Yeah. So she says basically that there's no way you're ever going to be righted for all the wrongs you've done in life, Queenie Sister Lalaurie. But you could go work at, like as a volunteer or something and try to build yourself back up. And basically, Lalaurie says, "I've learned that um, there's no such thing as redemption. You're kind of stuck with who you are." Now, yeah, okay. and all these people were only people who are sorry they got caught. They weren't actually exactly. Sorry. Well, to your point, it, like what's frustrating about the whole Queenie thing is, Lalaurie was on the brink of Redemption. becoming a good person when before Queenie sold her out to Madame Laveau, sure. and then she even still was on the on the brink before Queenie got killed, and then you know make, makes her into a pet on a leash, and after you know after she'd watched Roots and stuff, she kind of seemed to have been yeah. Bounces back a little bit, but it's like you're right. It's like she completely forgot all this stuff. But it's also partly Queen, you know, Queenie's fault for having got basically made her transformed her. But then she kind of jumped back. So I guess I don't know if our, the writers are trying to tell us that sometimes you know people are a certain way inherently in their core, and there's it's not possible to change that. I don't know. It, or or is it just the writers putting these two together for comedic relief to make the show a little lighter and a little more fun and put some more one liners in it? I mean, it's certainly been a complex relationship, but I agree with you that the way it ended was not the most fulfilling. It really which... pissed me off. So how did it end? I mean, go ahead. Well, essentially, we find out that uh, LaLaurie says to Queenie that I never... Because Queenie's like, I, you know, I saw you cry. I saw you feel something. And she's like, I only did that because I felt sorry and I wept for the world the way it is. And then she started tout- or spouting all this uh, racist, racist stuff, thing, like just t- talk about uh, how like a Negro should never uh, do this and white people yada yada. And it was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. This wasn't this wasn't who we were getting to know finally. And don't tell me, don't go back this in in one scene and tell me all that 
in the previous episodes was bullshit. That feels cheated and does not feel earned. And I, I you know, it's not it's not like a, oh man, they, she got me. It's kind of like you know, I I don't know. I, this is also coming from someone who was aware if that he was maybe being manipulated. But the fact that they try to flip it on us at the end in the penultimate episode, I find it very offensive and kind of not just. Well, that's right. This has to be. This has to be especially painful for you because you actually believe. I mean, you sincerely believe in her redemption, and yeah. I was a little hesitant. But they really tried to feed that to you know feed that to us yeah. that it was pos- possible for her to redeem herself, and you know, in a modern society, she could learn new things and stuff like that. But no, she right. just kind of regresses into the same horrible racist that we saw her in the very beginning. I mean, that's not to say that she was not um, on the brink of being, you know, of, right. of recovery before she was kind of forced into this position but yeah she completely regresses back to who she was before so my thoughts are though maybe did she do it because queenie betrayed her do you think that's why yes i frankly that's why i do think yes i think that she was on the so she decides um, she hates black people all over again just because one person well and obviously laveau was pretty terrible to her following that yeah um but yeah i think that she I think that she was on the brink of being better before Queenie betrayed her. But then again, I mean, that's not fair to say because obviously she still had all this terrible hate and stuff inside of her. And yeah, she's weird. She's a, she's, a, she's, 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 she's a horrible, terrible person. So I'm certainly not g- giving her a pass here. Yeah, um, no, totally. But well, I do kind of feel like at least... Redemption. Right, but I feel like that the writers led us to believe that she was uh, you know, about to understand the fault of her ways before... Uh, Queenie betrayed her. Right. I feel cheated on the storyline just because it, it, like, all of a sudden she's completely evil again and that's it. So the only way I can sort of deal with this is, is if I think maybe she said this to Queenie because she was ashamed and she was trying to protect her pride of who she was. Like, she actually did yeah. feel something when she watched Roots and she wanted to protect that and be like, oh, I didn't actually feel anything because she's trying yeah. to be stupid. Well, and she doesn't want to be vulnerable because she maybe she feels like after Queenie betrayed her, she doesn't know if she can yeah. trust her on an emotional level anymore. So yeah. let's let's believe that because it makes us feel a little bit better about the analysis. Yeah. I almost feel it's a waste of Kathy Bates if that's her story arc. Yeah, anyway, I don't know. I mean, obviously she, she's obviously yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry. Continue. So back to kind of the uh, Seven Wonders Supreme situation we have going on here. Uh, we have a scene in which Fiona's getting her portrait painted. The same, you know, how every Supreme has their portrait painted and goes on the wall. Um, we get some major symbolism here, though, because her nose starts bleeding in mm-hmm. mid-painting, which is kind of like, you know, this is... She's going to be... And she says something about how... It, is this like how I'm going to be remembered and immortalized in this painting is with, like, this blemish? And it's kind of symbolic of how her... You know, this beautiful woman there's a has... A blemish upon her entire rule of the coven because of what a poor leader she really was. Right. So I thought that was a pretty, pretty symbolic scene. Um, and Myrtle wants to balance the frame with some pink flowers in the background. Of course, we have Myrtle gets the best lines of this entire season and every. She's the goddamn savior of this uh, season. Not that it needs it. It's still a great season, but she's the best. Every no, every time she's in a scene, they fe- I mean, whoever's writing for Myrtle gives her f- terrific lines. Yeah, they have this character <laughs> spot on. And she's wonderful. Yeah. She's great. Um, but we have a you know Fiona Cordelia friction once again, mm-hmm. and we kind of get this 
surprisingly like heartfelt yeah. mother-daughter speech about how you know your power comes from within it's not something i passed on to you from fiona cordelia and okay so this is something i want to talk about so fiona gives cordelia a necklace it's a necklace that came from grandma good you know i don't if fiona's mother or fiona's grandmother i couldn't tell fiona's what. mother okay and you know fiona says that when she was a girl she'd gaze up at the necklace and think that she would never grow up to be so transcendent as her mother and cordelia says you know well i can relate to that so you know she puts the necklace on cordelia and suddenly vision's back not only is it back though it's not no longer is it visions of the past of everyone's past now it's visions of the future which is almost even more powerful. Now, okay, so this is a question. After that, Fiona gives that whole speech about power coming from within. Is it that the power is the power coming from the necklace, or is it like placebo effect, where you know she just needed to have her self esteem built and some empty vessel to like in her mind think that gave her extra power? Very good question, and I try to think about it because I, I wanted to know. If this was a trigger or if it was just something that uh, actually was like a placebo effect, like you said. And I don't know. I really don't know. Because we've never seen this damn necklace ever. So I don't think it's a trigger. But And I feel cheated again if it is a trigger because we've never heard about it. It doesn't feel fair. Uh, Yeah. I I don't know what it was. Or maybe it was just the timing that that's the moment finally it comes back to her when she realizes... That uh, she feels some emotion when her mom does this to her. Because she d- she feels mm. something deeper. Maybe it's the emotional connection that brings it back. That's an interesting point. I l- I'd like to think it's that, not the necklace being a trigger. Because I agree with you. Uh, if we, I don't like the introduction of... Something um, this late. The introduction of just like a magical um, ornament that all of a sudden brings powers back. Have you? Do you know the concept uh, Deus Ex... Machina, which is like a, it's a Greek concept that it's like it means God in the machine, and it meant that like in old Greek plays, a way that they would end a lot of Greek plays when they like didn't know what to do to end it is that they would have like the gods come in and just save everybody, or they would have like the gods come in and takes cart somebody away. If you've ever read um, Medea, that's how Medea ends: is that she like just I think she, the gods just come out and like pick her up in a chariot and like fly her away. And so basically, the idea is that like there's just like some. Magical instance deity that, like, that can ca- kind of comes and saves the day. It's like something you wouldn't expect at all. That's kind of not mm-hmm. at all related to the plot line, and that's kind it's of the if cop that out. Is the, it's a cop out, and that's kind of what the um, the necklace, necklace could have been. Maybe would be to me if it was that that yeah. trigger. So I hope totally. that wasn't. It. I hope that it was the emotional level you're talking about. So she touches Fiona, and basically we see this really creepy vision. This amazing of, scene. This amazing scene. Of all the young witches dead in the house, um, and someone kind of rustling around. It almost sounded like a beast at first, but then we find out that it is Fiona, and that she she's seeing that Fiona had killed everybody in the house. Yeah. I mean, did, did this kind of take you by surprise? It, it kind of did, but I loved it because, I mean, ultimately at the end we've all been wondering, is Fiona, is she deep down, is she good enough to not want to kill her daughter? We know she's evil enough to kill some of these youngins because we've seen her do it to two of them. But is she evil enough to kill her own daughter for her own vanity, for her mortality, whatever, you know, because that's what Fiona's been uh, uh, portrayed as. And sure enough, we see them start with 
I think it's Madison in that Madison and Violet. I think beautiful scene with Madison like hanging over the balcony or the with her head over the balcony like that, and then yeah, and then uh, Zoe up on the stab. Oh, Violet! <laughs> I I, Violet. Yeah, yeah. We know. I mean, we all know who you're talking about. Uh, uh, Zoe stabbed up on that thing, and then um, Misty laid out on the piano, and then Queenie, and Queenie with something stabbed with the, through her like, head. It's like a, it's, it's like a sword in her throat or something. Yeah, it's yeah. oof, oof. And then, uh, and then at the end, yeah, we see uh, Cordelia laid out with it looks like a bullet through her head. It looks like a bullet through the forehead, which is yeah. I mean, so and ruthless. then we, yeah, so absolutely ruthless. Beautifully yeah, shot like, too. Beautifully shot. I love creepy that. Green, like, oh, the, shit. The, that green light, that creepy green light in the background and everything. I mean, did, so you, did you, when you heard like the rustling in the house, I mean, did you expect it to be Fiona still alive at the end? I, mean, I did. I didn't know who to expect. I wasn't actually thinking of anyone. I thought I was just looking at a scene with some sound effects. I didn't really know who it would be. Right. And like, I, but it was, it, I agree with you that that scene was just shot terrifically. The way like the camera kind of moved down the stairs and through the hallway was. I think amazing. that's when I texted you. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. Tight. That was really good. Uh, so we find out that she has her powers restored and that she has the power of. Also, that future. she wants of the course. ring. Right. <laughs> Hopefully, just for ornamental reasons, and not because it actually has any power. <laughs> maybe, well, maybe she wanted some more visions. That's what I thought. <laughs> anyway, yeah. it's like Isn't so there a ring. <laughs> so, um, she doesn't tell her mother obviously that she's having the visions, but she does use them to her uh, advantage by going to see the Axeman. Now, okay, this is. I think there's a something happens here that I think could have been cooler in the plot than it, like I think there's something cooler they could have done here than they ended up doing but let's talk I, I want to talk about that I want to lead up to that Cordelia confronts the axe man and basically tells him well also I love the line that he said a man shouldn't be disturbed when he's playing with his instrument <laughs> is how he <laughs> comes out but uh she basically tells him that Fiona is planning to leave him behind as he's planning after she's planning on slaughtering all the girls and that he's been nothing to her but you know a pawn and someone to be used. And that she's not really in love with him. And that there's a ticket. And he is sincerely upset, so we know that he really has been in love. And that, yeah, she tells her that you'll find this boarding pass that she's leaving. Ah, first of all, this is like supposed to be like leaving in like four days, days or something like that. Is it two days? I think it's two days. Yeah. Maybe too early Maybe too early to print your boarding pass. I'm not sure what airline that is, but <laughs> I don't know if you can print your boarding pass that early. Yeah, um, you, girl, you got to get that email to you. <laughs> but uh okay so what ends up happening of course is that this really is the truth and fiona is leaving him what i had wanted to be the truth was that cordelia was using her clairvoyance or whatever to manipulate the axe man and that, that's not really what she saw but she oh. was pretending but she was just gonna make him Ooh, believe that she was doing I that think about so that, that. To turn him against her. And I thought that that was maybe a possibility. When they had that scene when Fiona's back with the Axeman, I was hoping that maybe it would be like, he just gets upset because Cordelia riled him all up. Um, and then we find out that that was never her actual plan, but she kind of tricks him into into killing Thinking that is the Fiona. plan to kill Fiona. Right. Ooh, right. that would be sweet. I mean, so just, I that that's was, a great twist. 
That would have been some clever trickery on Cordelia's part, but that did not end up being the case. Also, she does could obviously lead to her possibly being the supreme, the next supreme. Right. Yeah. So I, too bad everyone has way, every but... power at this point. Right. Well, f- uh, almost every power. Speaking of everybody, we see, of course, Misty come back as Cordelia, Yay. you know, finds out that she's in the coffin and has Queenie go with her to blow up the bricks Tight. and pull Misty out. Um, Misty, though, if she had the power of, okay, there's a lot of things that she could have, if she had the power of transmutation, she would have been able to just vaporize herself out of the coffin. To apparate if she out had, of there. Right. If she had the power of telekinesis, she would just be able to blow the lid off the thing and then blow the front off the tomb. So it makes me think that she does not possess all seven powers. Well, that's, again, that is very possible. Also, what's possible is, again, us reading too hard into this because it may have not been thought out as well as we thought it should be. But I agree with you. She should have been able to get out of that situation should she uh, have at least a few more of those powers. Right. I mean, there just seems like a witch of her, if she was the Supreme, would have any number of ways to get out of a situation like that. Yes. So this is kind of when everything's culminating and every, you know, all the all the pieces are moving into place. We see Violet and Kyle return. Of um, course. With a great line from Myrtle that you're just like... Hmm. You're just like Halston when he sold his brand to J.C. Penny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Myrtle. So very upsetting to her. <laughs> um, we find out, you know, they made it to Florida and, of course, Kyle kills a homeless guy who tries to threaten them but then Rolled my Zoe brings them back to life so so we find out that Zoe has the power of uh, con- concilium I think is that one so she has the power of concilium which is you know transfer no concilium is mind control oh no is it dissensium that's afterlife it's maybe vitalum vitalis is that the bringing oh back? right right right, yeah. right. so vital i'm getting them all mixed up i apologize it's vitalum vitalis which is yeah trans giving some of your energy to someone else to bring back to life so she has that power and she thinks oh i could be the next supreme so she heads back to own it uh just as kind of everybody else is, is showing up just as misty shows up to own it as well and proceeds to kick the shit out of madison about time uh, who you know you'd think that madison's power of telekinesis once again like we see inconsistencies in the use of power and i'm trying to like justify it by thinking well maybe because it's a witch fighting witch that you know but like we've seen madison like light curtains on fire and throw things against walls and stuff like that but she can't seem to help getting the shit beat out of her when misty's just like going and that was tight and that was well earned i mean i love madison she's funny and sassy and hilarious and very confident young lady, but it was great to see Missy, the Swamp Witch, kick the shit out of her. She needed to be humbled. Yeah. I mean, frankly. She needed to be put really in check. Mm-hmm. But uh, there to interrupt it is the And Queenie goes, this is awesome. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there to interrupt, of course, is the Axeman, covered in blood, who, what an idiot coming Tries back to Tries to come at I mean, all of them. They've already, like, they were the ones that first made him into a imprisoned ghost for however many years to begin with. Uh, but well, their predecessors is... did. Right. But I think he's also, like, delirious with just being so upset and after what he just did. So covered in blood, he comes at him with an axe, and they all very easily... So tight. Like, so tight. F- fling him back into 
In unison. In unison. They're, all their hands go up. Pop. That was kind of cool. And, uh, and, and Madison goes, she's like, you walked into the wrong house. Or something like that. That was tight. Oh, yeah. They totally owned him. Um, and we get a flashback to X and Fiona in his flat. And basically what we find out is that Cordelia told X-Man the truth, that Fiona really is leaving. He finds the boarding pass. And Fiona gives this whole speech about how, you know, he was a fun fling, but she doesn't know if she ever really loved him. She never really knew what love was. She just he said, was just a life preserver. She just needed to feel something. Yeah, exactly. But she was going to leave him the whole time. And it, of course, upsets, it so, upsets him so much that he acts her in the back. Which you, okay. That was you know, crazy. That came out of nowhere. She was pouring herself a drink and then bam. Clearly she did, wasn't concerned about it. or you know, Because you'd think the Supreme would be able to be more... Anticipate that. But it seemed like that she wasn't even worried about that happening. She really trusted that he was not. he would like not do that to her. So she... Do you think that she knew the kind of... That he was a mass murderer? Did she know that he was the original axe man? Yeah. Because... She, remember when she first walked into his apartment? She saw the dead body. Right, right. So she never... But she never seemed particularly afraid of him. It was like she was almost too confident in her own powers to think that he would sneak up on her like that. Right. Well, even in the beginning, he said like... He's like, hey, Cordelia came to see me. And she's like, I hope she's in the bathtub or something like that. Like, she knows who he is. Well, and obviously she had him do her dirty work when they killed off the witch too. Yeah. But she doesn't seem to be... I mean, I think that she's just overconfident, and, you know, that's what makes her turn her back on him, and that's how he ends up... Well, let's be honest, too. Like, she's probably not dead. Right. Or dead in the terms of, we won't see her again. (laughs) Yeah, she'll she'll be back in some form in the next episode, I'm sure, to give some kind of an encore. But... I want to bring up this recurring theme that we already talked about with Lalaurie, which is in this kind of whole speech that her and the X Men have. Once again, it's that Fiona, you know, she's talking about not changing. She regress like there's all these different points in this uh, season that we thought we saw her become, you know, get, getting uh, more in touch with her emotions and becoming more human and stuff like that. Um, or and even when we knew that she wanted to kill all these. Girls, we thought that her, you know, redemption was in this love with the axe man. Like, right, we did. She says at one point that that's what she's living for. But no, she is going to run off by herself and just live a free life. So she learned nothing too. Her and Lalaurie together. I mean, it's just like nothing. The, we're just having this message pattern into our heads that whoever you are on in your core is what stays. You know, you can't right. outgrow that no matter what. Which, which is a pretty um, depressing message. I don't think either of them actually... Well, maybe Lalaurie kind of learns that, but as you and I know from being storytellers or reporting and writing is a story is based on a character who changes over time. That from point A to point B, a character has to evolve for it to become a story. Otherwise, nothing happens. There's no interest. And it's not worthwhile to tell that story because nothing ever changes. However, Lalaurie, she kind of starts to change and then she regresses in, in just last minute possibly that I, that's that that's ridiculous to me but if 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 uh, Fiona never changes either that's two of our main characters not really ever changing and it's kind of disappointing to me yeah they're going in a circle well that but that's what makes me wonder if like there's something we're supposed to 
learn from what like what what exactly they're trying to say through this yeah um and they ran around circles for 11 episodes right maybe there'll be some greater moral we'll we'll understand after the next episode that's kind of what i'm hoping but anyway back to the axe man uh very 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 violent once again like kill bill style violent but um well filmed well directed scene in which they stab the hell out of the axe. All the youngins do. They're like nobody. Is it? Uh, I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt. Um, Zoe's like nobody messes with our coven. Yeah, and then Madison hits him with the axe, and they all grab knives, knives and just and, yeah. hack at him over and over again. Except for Cordelia, who cries. Cordelia in, Mer- in Myrtle. I'm sorry, Cordelia. Yeah, yeah into Myrtle. Yeah, yeah. So, last two scenes we have here. Uh, the first is I want the first I'm going to talk about is the one that's leading us up to next episode, which is where you know Kyle finishes hanging the portrait of Fiona, and they all talk about you know how she was so strong and beautiful and all that stuff. Which I mean, considering that they knew she was going to kill them all, ki- kill them weird. all. Yeah, they're very respectful of her. Plus, um, they, they all just like—I mean, as Cordelia said, they all kill the axe man, and that, and she's like, "Yo, that guy just took out Fiona, who was trying to kill us all." And Kyle's like, "I don't care. He's bad, and let's kill him." And they're like, "Yeah, let's kill him." Like, hey, he didn't do shit to you guys. I don't, well, he tried to though. He tried to. He came at when? them with the axe. Oh, he like, came against Cordelia. <laughs> yeah, and they threw him back when she. Well, yeah, when they all sent you know, like in unison, sent him flying back. Yeah. That axe man again. I don't know it. His storyline is wonky too. I don't, I'm not sure about that one. Well, and it's not even clear entirely what he was. I guess he was a ghost, and then he became a real Mortal? person, and yeah. that's why they're able to kill him. Um, anyway, pay their respects to Fiona, and I love how that Cordelia declares that Sunday at dawn is when the Seven Wonders starts. Yeah, and by that's next week, right. I like to by next week. Up. Oh yeah! By next week we'll have a new supreme, and I like how she said next week because it's like it's not by like it's not by Sunday. It's not like tomorrow by next episode. Basically, yeah. is what she's saying. Is and everyone will supreme. participate. Yes. So even I'm assuming even Myrtle and Cordelia will be tight. Out. I'm excited. Last scene I want to talk about: La Lori's own personal hell. Yes, is of course with our boy Papa she, Megba. She's in a cage in, in her dungeon. She is in her cage. Her daughter is in a cage adjacent. Her other daughters, with their eyes and lips sewn shut, are in cages around her. She's, of course, led by slaves she mutilated to the cage in the first place. Um, Marie Laveau is there. And she forces LaLaurie's La daughter to drink LaLaurie's blood when she's thirsty, which gross. is really gross. Um but suddenly we have this scene. We have this part where Laveau becomes self-aware and uh, says, "You know, I don't want to be here torturing her. I want to, you know, this isn't. I don't. I don't want to continue this kind of cycle of mutilation and race. You know, racial angst or anger or whatever." And Papa Legba shows up and says, "You have no choice because I own your soul. You have to do this." Yeah. And, you know, she says, "Why? You know, why am I, why am I here? I've I've protected so many people." And he says, Treated "Yeah, but you right. also brought me Hella you babies. brought me all those innocent babies over the years. So that kind of makes you a shitty person." 
So maybe that was almost like a test for her, you know, that like maybe if she'd like even after making the deal hadn't given the babies then or had fought against him taking the babies then she would have been redeemed somewhat but no right. she she hunted him down and handed him over no problem um so i only see two ways going forward out of that situation one is this is the end of marie laveau and madame delphine Lallerie, and this is it like that's the end of their storyline right there them in hell together Yes, I don't think that's earned personally. I, you know, yes, they had a rivalry, and she buried her forever, and then Lollary came back as a maid for a little bit, which was kind of weird, and then she became friends with Queenie, and then she became a murderer again. <laughs> and I don't know, the storyline kind of just floundered all over the place with Lollary and Laveau. She had, I thought, a vendetta against. I, I mean, she obviously had it against Lollary, but that was like hundreds of years ago. And now I thought she had it against uh, Fiona and then they, and they did have it and then they bonded and then they had their thing and then they don't give a shit about each other anymore. So if if this truly is the end of Marie Laveau and Madame Lalaurie, uh, Delphine Lalaurie, it, it seems so disappointing, you know, I, I didn't, I never saw them as the two nemeses uh, against each other for the season. Did you? What do you think? Is this the end? Or moving forward, either that or moving forward, the two of them are going to have to team up together in the last episode to take down uh, Papa Legba. But this is American Horror Story. It's not going to be a happy ending. Okay, so a few things. I think this is the end. I think this is. I think that they're not going to fight Papa Legba. He's basically the devil. Yeah. And so there's, right. like, there's no defeating him. You know, he just is a demon that you can't do anything with. I think that the part, the only part I, okay, so I actually do like this ending for them. What I don't like is that they, I feel like we were jerked around about Lalaurie being potentially redeeming and then going back to where she was. I feel like if she just stayed villainous the whole time and never gone through these cycles, then it would make, it might even make you feel better about this ending. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that they were the ultimate adversaries for the whole season. But I do think that their historic, um, you know, I think in episode one, I think episode one, scene one, is when we see, uh, is is when we first see Lalaurie torture Bastion, which is like the genesis for the whole episode, or for the whole season, basically, is, you know, Lalaurie, tor- you know, basically mutilating Laveau's her love of her life. Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand that, but like that, the Genesis is one thing. But then for the next ten episodes, they like rarely dealt with each other. I mean, well, I mean, Lalaurie really no longer had any powers anymore. But I do know what you, I do know what you mean. But I do think that it makes a, it's a very interesting concept of hell. I mean, it makes sense for Lalaurie, like she, you know, is a victim of her own devices and stuck right. in the cages and everything. But she also but put I think her own daughters in those cages at one point. I don't like that. I mean, like, why should she care that much? Well, it's one thing if she's doing it, but it's another thing if a Negro woman is doing it. But I think this is an interesting hell for Laveau, too, because it's like she... I I mean, she's forced to be, you know, in forever... Lalaurie's position. Yeah, with with Lalaurie. But I think it's also interesting that she... I mean, she's in a position of power, but she, unlike Lalaurie, does not enjoy that, that... 
position of power. She doesn't want to be in a position where she's constantly torturing and mutilating innocent people. I mean, obviously, LaLaurie isn't innocent, but the daughters and stuff like that. And so it's it's an interesting balance, and I think that, uh, you know... I understand. I, I, I do. I agree. I agree with you. I understand the ending of why it works with the two of these, because historically it would make sense that they would be stuck together forever in a hell. That being said, the way it was written from point A, like episode one to point B, episode 11, I don't think that was earned at all. <laughs> it does not make sense the way they've written it. I, I understand where you're coming from on that. Um, which, well, I guess which leads me to mm. a series of final questions I want to ask you, mm-hmm. which is who's coming back and who's not. We already know who's still alive right now. Uh, so let's say... So, LaLaurie and uh, Laveau, if you had to say, based on this, what is your opinion? Are they going to be up here in the last episode? Well, knowing how it usually goes with... I mean, there's no way we're going to see all 13 characters next episode. So, And uh, as you said that you think this is the end, I, I, I think it probably is the end for them as well. Which I think is bullshit, but... That's probably the end of them. It, it felt like they were trying to tie up an end there, though. You yeah. know, it felt appropriate in that sense. Um, Spalding, do you think we'll see Spalding again? Um, I kind of, I don't. I guess we have to because he's got a baby, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's an unresolved story. Is he runs off with a baby and raises that baby as himself. a ghost? <laughs> Go maybe on. that's maybe that's the next season. Oh, is Spalding racing a baby? I don't know if I want to see that spinoff. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Nan, will we see her again? That's a good question. I thought we would see her this episode, to be honest. I really did. I mean, we have Queenie back. We have uh, Madison back. Why don't we get Nan back? Uh, she had the the like less gruesome death out of everyone. <laughs> um, but I, I, I guess I, I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't think we will. I really don't think we will. Wasn't she cremated though? I think didn't they say that at some point? No, maybe I mean, Luke was. I think you said. I don't know if the name oh, was. Luke was. Luke yeah. was. That's right. Luke was. Um, yeah, we didn't see her in the in the episode. Do you think we'll see her next time? So unless they're having it, I'm on all of these. I'm partial. I'm I'm gonna say no because I feel like the focus is gonna be like these are their survivors at the end. So I was gonna also say the last one. I was gonna say, uh, or did we cover everybody? Oh. So uh, the last Fiona. one is Fiona. Yeah, is Fiona going back? I, 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 we got to see her one more time, right? Yeah, I think that that would be of all the ones that potentially are going to show up in the last episode. She's the most likely. In I agree. Order. I agree, hands down. Uh, I have some questions for you. Is that the last of the Axe Man? Yes, uh-huh. absolutely. Uh, and do you think that's the last of? Oh, you did say that. Um, do you think? Okay, so here's here's my question for you about the theme of the episode, which I think um, Papa Legba says this. He says, everyone pays, everyone suffers. And I think the theme mm-hmm. of this episode was everyone pays, everyone suffers, meaning, you know, we see the from the simplest end, which is uh, Madison pays for doing that to putting Misty in the, uh, in the um, coffin and essentially burying her by getting her ass kicked uh, all the Mm -hmm. way down to uh, Fiona uh, stringing the Axeman along and tricking him into the love thing, which he says, what what do you say? He says, it's, it's a, it's a, it's the biggest crime against humanity Uh, to Lollary and uh, Marie Uh Laveau actually living out hell 
thoughts on that as the theme. Do you agree? Oh, I I think you're 100% right. And I think that maybe that's where most of all um, this kind of theme we identified of people not changing, it's where it fits in. It's like, you know, you karma, you know, karma is going to hit you eventually. And even, you know, you can't just make right all the tor- her- terrible right. wrongs you, you've done in the past. You know, there's no form of redemption that can overcome completely what horrible sins you've committed at one point or another. And eventually it's going to come back to haunt you. And right. whether that's, you know, just psychologically or whether that actually physically comes back to kill you in so many of these cases. Last two points. One is I love that they called Papa Legba a half-baked Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah. Was it Fiona that said that? Oh, I think so, yeah. Was that when she was calling him Papa Leg Boo Boo? Yeah, whatever? maybe. I forget. But it was hella funny. Number two, the biggest question we've been asking all GD season. Who is the next Supreme? I really feel like they served it up for us now to where it's like it's, you're not it's supposed equal. to be able to discernibly tell who it is. I think that that was intentional to make it so it's not clear who the next one is. These girls are badass. Um, they all are badass. And I feel like... I feel like there's got to be a twist. I'm not sure that it's one of those people we. I don't. I don't know that I think it's. I don't think it's Misty, Madison, Zoe, or Queenie. Um, Queenie. I think that Cordelia or Myrtle. I don't even think it's Myrtle. I think if any, if it's any one person, it would be Cordelia because that's still kind of the least suspect. Uh, like, but the most she hasn't shown anything besides this uh, vision. Exactly, exactly. So that wouldn't make sense with the rest of the story. I think that it is going to be maybe like they're all Supremes or they each, you know, there's, I feel like, like we've talked about that before, the shared Supreme theory. I feel like it's going to be, there's got to be some twist. Either that or there's someone we hadn't thought of or Nan comes back from the dead to be the Supreme. I don't know. Something like that. So if you had to pick one though, that you, you would want to be the Supreme, if only one of them could be Supreme, who would you want to be the Supreme? If only one could be the Supreme, I would want it to be... I know who you're going to say. Zoe, I guess. I knew you would say that. I knew you would say that. <laughs> well, I she's knew like, you would she, say that. She, she's been our heroine, you know, uh, of everybody in the entire season. She's that. been... She Well, she's been the one who has, like, been, been the kindest hearted, has, she's like, not kill... Well, <laughs> she has been the wussiest. She's not a badass, but she's, like... She's like Glenda the Good Witch. Who would you pick? I'm gonna. Well, I don't know. I, I, I this episode Queenie kind of won me over a little bit, but I think Madison would be a fun Supreme. <laughs> yeah, I think she would be pretty fun. Yeah, I think she would be fun too. I do. That being said, um, I, I won't be disappointed with anyone to be honest. I think it'll be entertaining no matter what. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of this p- episode was posturing, getting us to that point. It felt like a lot of stuff was crammed in here to, so that way the entire West yeah. episode could be devoted to well, the seven Well, they killed wonders, off all like, the old people besides Myrtle. Uh, right. Everybody dying and you know Zoe and Kyle coming back and uh, Misty coming back. And so it was like a lot of stuff they had to shove into yeah. the, the Kyle needs uh, to second to last episode. Keep it moving. Anyway. He's another one... There's been a lot of characters this season that it's like, I don't know. Unnecessary. I don't even feel like their plot line served the plot that well. I feel like we could have stripped. I feel like that there was a lot of actors that came back and were like, I would love to be involved. And so they involved them. And made a character. But really, but really it would have been a, a cleaner season had we had no Spalding. Had we had no Kyle. 
Um, Even we Patty had no Lepone axe man and Luke. And Patty Lapone and Luke. Yeah, there's a lot of like excess fat that could have been trimmed from the season. Yeah. Which brings me to my point that when I was talking about the writing, sometimes, and I mean, I don't get me wrong, I love this show, and mm-hmm. I think that they're excellent totally. at um, giving us surprising twists and great lines, and the scenes are awesome. But sometimes the way, especially in this season with the rules of the magic and everything like that, it feels like that they would wait to write the next episode till till like they'd wait until after they felt like wrote the most current episode. So it's like they didn't know where their whole plot was going. Right. It was like they had to write one episode and be like, oh, this would be connected dots here. And so it's like it's just not – doesn't feel that tight necessarily, not that cohesive. And there's still time to seal that up a little bit in the final episode. But I feel like there was maybe too much they were trying to fit in where they could have trimmed the fat on the sides a little bit and right. there was some key storylines. Like season lines two was crazy good like how tight it was and how even though how bizarre and weird and crazy and all over the map it was it still came together in the end well maybe there's still time for that to happen there obviously. is so You're i'm right. not i'm not trying to be too harsh it was just it's something that kind of it felt to me like a little bit sometimes how lost would feel where it was like sloppy you know yeah where it was like you know these strands don't necessarily tie together like you should it just kind of felt like they were trying to throw us yeah. balls in one way or another all the while while we're still characters. enjoying the crap out of it but it's, exactly yeah exactly well we gotta so, be honest uh, <laughs> right so i guess let me go ahead and read this episode. yeah what do you give it i'm gonna uh 3.5 which i think i gave it last week too and i think that it's built you know there's a lot of cool things i loved some of the like i loved that opening scene there's a lot of um cool direction going on and stuff like that but the, like those holes made it a little bit frustrating um but i'm really excited for the finale and me excited too, to talk yeah. about it next week i so, give it a 3.75 because mm, okay, so i still had going. a good time i was really excited even though it would have been a four but the, it dropped down big time for well a quarter of a point because of the lalaurie marie laveau storyline right, i did not were, think that reconciled well at all Right, yeah, you were not happy with that. I, I understand. That resolution didn't work for me. Um, but yeah. I love the scene where uh, Cordelia got her vision back, and we had that whole sequence with all the dead girls. Um, and yeah, I also love the idea that they are basically tried to essentially kill off Fiona in the penultimate episode, yeah. which even though we know she's probably not really dead, or if she is dead, we're going to see her again regardless. That's pretty baller that they handled that and and essentially, for the most part, off screen. I mean, we saw her die as a flashback, but it wasn't mm. like we saw the dead body, which we all know means that we'll, if we don't see the dead body, then we're going to see her again. Well, apparently it was fed to gators, according to uh, Cordelia's yeah, vision. But, but we don't see know. that. No, yeah, who knows? I mean, she's the, she was the Supreme, the most oh, powerful boy. Supreme in however long. Next so. week we're going to know. We're going to know. Oh, man, it's, it's crazy to think. Also, next week we want to tell everybody that we will be... Um, <laughs> Jesus. Excuse me. Well, I know. I got a little something tickle in my throat. Um, we'll be uh, announcing whatever podcast we're, uh, we're going to do next. So we hopefully would love you to come join us in between seasons. Obviously, there's a long way to go until American Horror Story Season 4. So um, if we can come up with something that uh, would fit your fancy, we'd love to uh, carry you over there in the meantime. We can keep on our with our uh, fun discussions and everything. But uh, with that, I'd like to say, well, uh, you know, talk to us as always. Check, yeah, come come meet us on Sunday when we will try out uh, the Seven Wonders. Me and Tyler. Yeah, yeah, we'll be doing Seven Wonders on Sunday at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. And (laughs) uh, (laughs) 
I don't and, like that uh, ending there. We have a Groupon. <laughs> we have a Groupon for Buffalo Wild Wings in uh, Palos Verdes, so you can check <laughs> us out there. Um, but in the meantime, you can also check us out on Facebook at This American Horror Story Podcast. You can email us at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com and check us out on iTunes, where, as always, we love your ratings and reviews. Chris, where can people find more of your stuff later this week? Twitter, I'm uh, at Chris Husted, K-R-I-S-H-U-S-T-E-D. Tyler, where are you at? I am on Twitter, too, at, at TJMoss11, and also uh, check me out on Instagram, at TJMoss11, as well. Me, too, but at Chris Husted. <laughs> yeah, you're not at TJMoss11, too. <laughs> all right, oh, folks, it's been a fun night. Right. Last week's our last week. I know. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Happy holidays. Oh, I'm so sad. I know.